You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you from the great state of Montana. I have been on a whirlwind tour out west of the United States, National Parks, Yellowstone, uh, amazing, amazing stuff out here. And uh, I'm just really excited to continue to explore our own backyard and help other people do the same uh, at Under 30 Experiences, where we have launched a bunch of new trips. Uh, We have three, six, uh, we have 79 itineraries um, that we have together. Six are currently on the site, but we're talking Cadia National Park, uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. We are talking about Yosemite, Joshua Tree, Zion and Bryce Canyon. We have a wintertime trip out to Lake Tahoe, and we're going to be coming out with a few more exploring this part of the country that I'm speaking to you now from. Uh, I won't spoil it, but you can check those out on our USA and Canada trips at under30experiences.com. But this show is not about that. This show actually flips the script, turns the tables, if you will. And my good friend, James Bubar, he comes at me with a whole slew of questions. Uh, He has a uh, literature and culture podcast, which uh, is a new channel on YouTube. You can check out some really interesting conversations, Elite Passages, A-L-I-T, passages uh, on YouTube. And uh, for this one, I was on his podcast around the launch of the Millennial Travel Guidebook, uh, where we talk about how to escape more, spend less, and make travel a priority in your life. He is uh, holed up in Turkey for the majority of this pandemic. And um, really cool to hear uh, this is just an old friend that I connected with about 10 years later and um, did a deep dive into the Millennial Travel Guidebook, and I think you guys will get a lot of value out of it. So uh, without further ado, please enjoy this podcast on how to escape more, spend less, and make travel a priority in your life. <laughs> Welcome to A Lit Passage, Conversations in Reading and Living. I'm James Bubar. If you're new to the channel, please remember to, to, to subscribe. Uh, your support really helps our channel grow, and we really appreciate it. Tonight, well, tonight in Izmir and afternoon in Austin, Texas, I'm thrilled to be joined by Matt Wilson, co-founder and CEO of Under 30 Experiences, and the host of Live Different Podcast, which, Matt, that's, that's a great podcast, by the way. You got really cool guests and really in, informative but inspiring uh, conversations. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It means a lot, James. I really incor- I love that you incorporate the kind of personal finance to, you know, living differently, but sustainably and, you know, in a full context of how to make, I guess, the most of your dreams. It's really cool. So people should check that out. That's Live Different Podcast. 
And he's also the author of the Millennial Travel Guidebook, which is what we'll be talking about mostly tonight. It will be released August 13th, but it is available now for download. That's correct, Matt? Uh, that's right. Pre you can pre-order it uh, on Amazon. Okay, great. And we'll have a link to uh, the specific website for the book so people can uh, check that out. You know, Matt, it's, it's really a great work. I mean, it's personal. It's informational, of course. But it's, it's really inspiring. And in some ways, it's a little maddening to read these days with so many closed borders. But it offers a lot more than uh, just the powerful and appropriate information you have about the how-tos of, of traveling today uh, in that big sense. But it's also, it's really inspiring. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you about it. And it will be officially released August 13th. But as Matt mentioned, uh, it can be uh, accessed now via the link below. And I know you're really busy. You have a beautiful new uh, daughter. You are planning under 30 uh, experiences in the U.S. And uh, you're also uh, in a business that is facing a little uncertainty right now with uh, global travel restrictions and concerns. So I really appreciate you taking the time out from all of those um, pressing uh, matters to, to talk with us about, about your book and your life so far. So thanks for joining us, Matt. You, you got it, James. Uh, a lot going on, but wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Well, I could think of some things I changed during these times, but, uh, you know, right. doing the best we can. Right. And how does it feel to be uh, ahead of the Austin wave? You know, you've been there a few months and now, uh, you know, the Gigafactory's coming with Elon Musk. So, you know, you, he followed you. He followed you guys to uh, Austin. So that's nice. Yeah. In, uh, Intel, I think, came of, mm, yeah. in the last year or so. It's just just crazy. Uh, of course, Google and Apple um, as well. It just seems like, I mean, it's a great place to be. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Well, hopefully the, uh, that incredible live music scene gets in full swing soon with uh, uh, the issues with coronavirus now. And, of course, the, the famous festival, South by Southwest, will, will be back on soon. Austin uh, is an incredible place. But, you know, I was thinking today in this time of, I mean, economic uncertainty, upheaval in our daily lives. Everyone seems to be kind of swimming in a, a sea of... Uh, sad stories or at least worrying situations and stories we need them we need them to keep going in many ways so before we get into your your book I thought if you wouldn't mind sharing your story about how it came to be in that larger sense because the last time we spoke in person was about eight years ago and almost a month because it was at a pretty wild and jubilant birthday party and you were, um, I always admired your work in, with your uh, startups in New York and also with the, the kind of tech industry there. You were really working hard. And the next thing I know, everything changed. And now you're where you are today. So if you could talk a little bit about that, it would be, it would be great. Well, jubilant is quite a way to describe that party, James. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're having a great time and... Uh, People listening probably have heard what it's like to live in New York and yeah. especially, you know, downtown. And um, I'm certainly glad I experienced it, <laughs> as I, I hope you are as well. But uh, it catches up with you after yes. a while, I yes. would say. Um, everybody has that kind of love-hate relationship <laughs> with with New York. And I um, 
think I included in the book my kind of screw New York moment, just taking my mattress and uh, yeah. putting it in the elevator and uh, the doorman or whoever the maintenance guy asked me, well, where do you want me to put it? I said, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> put it on the curb. Like, probably shouldn't sleep on that thing again. So it was just, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I packed up my my parents, my family's 97 Subaru uh, <laughs> station wagon with my stuff and kind of left it uh, in a heap in the in their guest room. And yeah, I was out, just, just took off. I went to Iceland and um, was able to reconnect with so many things that I loved in, uh, yeah, just in, in nature. And I mean, it's in Iceland, it's nature on steroids. You got yeah. the waterfalls and the glaciers and the um, rainbows and mountains and northern lights and uh, the midnight sun. All these different things. Viking people, just just an amazing place. And mm -hmm. I got there and I was like, "What am I? I mean, what am I doing with my life?" Literally had that um, had that kind of epiphany moment and went up to the top of. This uh, this mountain actually the one that stopped all the air traffic in 2010 hmm. uh, between North America and Europe. So Eyjafjallajökull, it's my my Icelandic is not wow. perfect, but it's That's... basically how you you say it. But we were we were standing up there on this glacier, looking over at the sunset. It was like 11 p.m. Wow. and uh, this Viking guide friend of mine, Siggy, you know, cracked open some whiskey and uh yeah he just wanted to to hang out and talk about life on top of a glacier in iceland and i was like okay yeah i should be doing this more often and then <laughs> reflecting upon just being in new york and it kind of got to the point where i was kind of going to the same bars having the same conversations mm -hmm. caught up in that dating scene that can be so vicious and, and really toxic at, at some level right. and um everybody's just kind of chasing chasing their tails uh yeah. and so i just thought wait a second why are all my friends chained to their desk mm -hmm. and nobody can really hang out or or do anything in the outdoors and um so i said no i want to do this for a while and and uh ended up that we were able to open this up to so many other people that also felt the same way that they kind of felt trapped in their, in their daily routine. So let me, let me ask you about that a little, because how soon did you have this life changing path emerge and then you started to build it into a, a business, so to speak? Was there time where you were just kind of traveling more on your own and it came to you uh, slowly that this is something you want to share or was that Iceland experience enough? Like not only do I want to do this, but I want to help other people do this and engage the world in the largest sense. So it was, uh, it was actually on that glacier in that same conversation. Wow. This, uh, this guy Siggy said, you know, he had just, he was a young entrepreneur and he started his business when that volcano went off that was in his backyard, the wow. BBC came to his little tiny town of 500 wow. people in the s south coast of Iceland, and they said, hey, can anybody help us go and check out this, uh, this glacier? And they said, oh, we'll go knock on Siggy's door. And so the BBC literally knocked on his door and said, hey, I hear, I hear you're, a, a mount you're on the rescue team. Can you bring us up there? And he was like, you want to go up there? 
okay, yeah, I mean, this happens all the time, but sure, I'll, yeah. I'll bring you up to the top of the book. And it, to him, it was, it was nothing. And then he realized, wait a second, um, there's something here. This is what I want to do with my life. And so I was inspired by his story, of course. And mm -hmm. uh, he also went to New Zealand to go and travel. And that's mm -hmm. another uh, one of the world's adventure capitals there on the South Island. Well, of course, so, it, uh, of course, yeah. that, that's where they have Middle Earth, right? Of course, it's the, it's, you know, of course, it's, you know, it's Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth. Yeah. So, of course, it's yeah, the well, these adventure of capital shots. of the world. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so he wanted to do that. This was right before Iceland tourism became popular, you know, before it got Instagram famous like it is now. And so, yeah, so we had that conversation. He said, well, do you think we could bring people from the United States over here? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I know plenty of people from the U.S. And wow. so right there, we started kicking around ideas. There was a, an, a conference in Iceland called the Startup Iceland Conference. Wow. And we had this blog under 30CEO.com that wow. had close to half a million readers a month at that wow. point. Wow. So I called my business partner with the under, the, uh, under 30CEO, Jared, and said, hey, why don't we do like a, a retreat here to Iceland? We've got the guides. It's an amazing place. We'll go to this conference. And so that's how the very first under 30 experience, that's why wow. we have this wow. silly name, even though it's open to people <laughs> ages 21 to 35. Yeah. That's how, you know, we had that recognition. It stuck. And now, of course, it's open to anybody who wants to, to come. They don't necessarily have to be entrepreneurs or anything like that. But that is, that is the real story. Well, you know what's incredible about that story is you often see or hear stories like this from people who something crystallizes within themselves, an understanding of what they want to do. But then it takes a while to materialize. But it's really unique that you not only had the kind of vision of what you wanted, but also the, the plan started to happen immediately. And you had this whole new relationship all at once. It's, uh, it's an amazing story. Thank you. Thank you. If you, James, if you know the, um, I think it's the Colby personality tests. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I took it years ago, but I'm a quick start is, is <laughs> on this personality test. So if I have an idea, I have to call somebody and put right. it into action or else I'm on to the next idea. So I'm glad yeah. we ran with this one. Yeah. Well, let me, let me darken the, the picture a little, because often when we're looking back on uh, paths that have uh, proved to be you know, successful in a lot of ways. Often what gets lost in the conversations of the, are those dark moments of, of struggle or, or when you could have given up or did you have any of those? Like maybe it didn't grow as fast or it started and, and halfway through you're like, oh, I can't do it. Or were there any moments like that where you really had to just say, okay, no, this is, I still got to believe in what we started and keep going. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so at first, the original idea, just retreats for entrepreneurs, that's not, I mean, that's scalable to a point, right? But mm -hmm. that's not the biggest idea. You know, that's not the biggest idea in the world by any means. It was a small niche thing that could have helped our uh, another revenue stream mm -hmm. with under 30 CEO. So that was where most of our struggle took place was when we had this blog uh, mm. under 30 CEO we we're uh, startup media 
site and we're publishing news, advice, interviews, mm -hmm. articles, and mm -hmm. one of the ways to monetize a media site is through events. Right. So we spoke many times about putting on conferences or, hey, you know what would be a lot better than bringing 15 people to Iceland would be bringing 50 people to Iceland, right. you know, and having like renting resort and having a huge blowout. And <clears throat> that would be cool as well. Um, but it wasn't, it, we just knew that it wouldn't have that same type of uh, connectivity of, amidst the attendees, among the attendees. And um, we didn't want it to be a big coach bus thing or, or anything like that. And so, um, but most of the struggle was just getting this under 30 brand off the ground in the beginning, starting in, in Poughkeepsie um, <laughs> before we met in New York. I mean, right. we were just, Jared and I were just broke, two broke kids coming out of school. We, we started our website with $500 uh, between the two of us, and we got it developed in India. There were misspellings <laughs> in the header. I mean, it was, yeah. but we did what we had to do. And, but then to figure out how do I, we monetize this crazy idea, mm -hmm. um, that's where most of the struggle really went. Once we found, you know, we, we built the company to six figures, but we still had to figure out, all right, well, what else is going to, it was difficult. Mm -hmm. And so once we came upon the travel stuff um, and we hit it at the right time, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, I would say we're certainly our most difficult time right now being COVID. Right. I mean, this is right. nuts. <laughs> right. That's, uh, yeah. that's another story. Yeah. And I think, I think what's interesting in hearing, hearing that point of view is often the, the struggle between the old and the new as, as an old idea you poured a lot of time in and energy was morphing into something else and, and figuring out how to go with that flow in some sense, let go and discover new things. And now under 30 experiences is, is, a, is a huge offering for people um, to experience their world, but their lives and themselves in, in a different way. So I really admire it. And you have, you have a great uh, Instagram page for a lot of those adventures. You know, it's, uh, it's exciting. So when I was thinking about your book, I was saying that it's what I really liked about your book is that it was a travel book. It was, let me say this. It was a, it was a life book disguised as a travel book. You know, of course, I, I really like the way that you put that. Yeah, well, you, you can quote me on that if you like, but you've already printed it, but you can you can steal that. But it's true. I was like, this is a book that is about living in disguise of a book about travel, though you have some great advice, very particular, very timely, important advice, especially in you know international travel. But what I really admired about it is this is the living aspects. And I want to start with, I mean, just the fact that you have as the epigraph that amazing um, Langston Hughes poem, Harlem, about what happens to a dream deferred. Um, and it seems like your book is not the answer to that, but is helping other people answer that or prevent that or respond to that amazing, amazing poem by, by Langston Hughes. And I, I love that you start, you open this book about travel and the first chapter is about fear. So I just, I don't really have a question, but I just thought if you want to take any of those notions as no. the author and uh, think about that. No, I mean, life is short. Um, 
Look, my, my dad just passed away recently. He was 68, which is just not long enough. You know, he was a, um, he was a captain in the Coast Guard, and uh, he, he worked in corporate America for a long time. Um, and, and he just, I always, I remember just growing up and seeing his dissatisfaction with it. And he really, what he wanted to do was he wanted to be a full-time captain and take people out on charters and, wow. uh, sail to Bermuda and to the Virgin Islands and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, unfortunately, right when he started to be able to do that for himself, he, he was able to enjoy that for a few years once he was kind of semi-retired, um, but then he got this horrible neurodegenerative disease and, oh, and so you know, he had to, yeah, he had to hang that up and, and look, he was still out on the boat until his very, pretty much his very last days. He still wanted to go out this season, um, you know, when we didn't, we kind of all knew he wasn't going to make it. I think he was in hospice still talking about going out on the boat or he couldn't even speak, but you know, right, hey dad, right. you want to go out on the boat? Right. He'd give you the thumbs up. Wow. But just. After seeing that kind of thing, it, you just know that life is so short, and um, you got to go out and forget, you know, fuck beer, I, I guess, <laughs> and say you got to put yourself first. And um, yeah, you need to be kind and responsible and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I'm not talking about a selfish type of um, thing, but beating back that fear and saying, no, I am going to go out and do something um, like you being in Turkey. I mean, this is when when you reached out, I was like, whoa, James is in Turkey right now. That's great. <laughs> that's crazy. How did you? And I was instantly like, hey, that's a risk that you took. That is not the common path. And uh, um, sure. Yeah. Telling your your folks or your your friends or family, probably some people are looking at you like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Um, right. But getting over that is, is so important. Yeah. Well, and the great thing about travel, and you deal with this in the book wonderfully, way beyond the how-to stuff, is, is that travel can be that metaphor we need for encountering and ultimately overcoming fear. And the trip doesn't have to end. It doesn't have to be this episodic thinking. You know, it can continue to then manifest in other parts of your life. And your, your book captured that well. So sometimes, you know, trip doesn't have to be escape and then, you know, uh, escape from your daily life and then come back and regenerate and go back into your daily life. But it can be something that I think this is what your under 30 experiences offer. It can be the stepping stone to something else, something you can build on. It's sustainable. And you, you talk about that wonderfully in the book. But I think that's in the mission with under 30 experiences, yeah? Totally. And, you know, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our travelers do work in the corporate world. Right. But because their trips are short, mm -hmm. they can come on two, three, four of them, some people a year. And we're, we're really more selling people lifestyle, which mm -hmm. when you talk about the book, it's a book about life. That's what people are, are buying at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. They need a change from their routine. And um, yeah, sure, they might have to work hard and sit at a desk between the hours of nine to five. But 
we're even seeing that shift now in a post-COVID world right. where people are going to be more and more mobile and this is going to be built into to people's lives and people are going to be happier because of it. And that's my, my really my big hope. Yeah, and, and uh, I think when you said uh, the aspiration of a, not necessarily a life change that you experienced, but a shift in how you're probably living whatever life you decide, even if you're going back to the same job, you want something to shift that is sustainable and continuing to grow. And um, it makes me think of in the book, you talk a lot about the importance of local community engagement. And, and I can tell you, know, I've traveled all over the world. I mean, I grew up in Belgium, but uh, uh, I go to Russia all the time because of course my fiance is there and, and Turkey is middle of the world. So I've, I've been everywhere. And you, there's really a big dichotomy between tourism and travel and tourism is often that skimming along the surface and what you're going for and what you write about so wonderfully is that engagement with the local community uh, and relationships language projects could you talk a little bit about how you either how you wrote about that why you wrote about it and then maybe how you manifest that in the experiences because i think it's crucial for enhancing our understanding, our compassion, our empathy. Absolutely. And I think the best one-liner that I heard, and I don't know that I put it this way in the book, um, but somebody said very simply that tourists usually go to a place and take and consume right. mm -hmm. and travelers go there and they actually are able to contribute in some way, shape, or form. And so whether that just means you're being kind and polite and respectful and supporting mm -hmm. the local economy and actually taking interest in the people, um, that goes a very long way when you're, you're literally contributing to the, the economy, how people put food on their plate. And if you walk in there like a snotty tourist and you hope that things are operate the same way that they do at home and you stay at a res you stay at a resort with walls that are are literally designed to keep the rich people in and the poor people out then you might as well have just gone to Fort Lauderdale and stayed on the beach there right you would have saved right. some airfare probably <laughs> right and so uh, we had a conversation about florida i think your parents are, are from florida james uh, yep. like years ago when we had this yep. conversation yep. but that's just that's how i feel but if you want to learn about a place if you really want to have a, a mind opening experience open your eyes open all your senses mm -hmm. to see how things are are really different um and that, you know, and what are those takeaways and how can you be mindful about um, things that you experience and how those make you feel and how you can take those experiences forward into your life and what you can learn from them. So that's on kind of a personal development level is how I see it. Yeah. And you, you really have to hear the stories of the place. You know, we're kind of starving for place. Originally, before the Internet, we were kind of starving for place because of a a certain hom homogenization of the United States, you know, same stores or same experiences. I mean, you can argue if that's truly ruins place, but when you, when you travel, you, you encounter place so powerfully. And if you communicate with that place, the people, the language, just trying even, even short trips can be, it's very profound. 
and how much, and again, I think it's, it's greeted with such a sense of welcome by the, the residents of that place. And, and it's this beautiful ancient sharing that goes on. Absolutely. And in the book, I talk about kind of some of the hotspot uh, expat digital nomad hubs, right? Yes. Chiang Mai, Thailand, for one. And mm -hmm. Chiang Mai is a really cool city, mm -hmm. but you got to get out just a little bit from right. some of the stuff in the center, because what you see is people moving from Belgium or the States or wherever yeah. And they want to have, you know, there's signs of globalization, let's yeah, say. So yeah. they want to create their cool coffee shop where yeah. digital nomads can work. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you can be there in your kind of Internet cafe, as they used to be called. But th it's the same kind of thing where you were just really hoping to have a little touch of home in right. Chiang Mai, Thailand right. or, or wherever. Right. So yeah. and trust me, there's need. We need some Internet. And we need some good coffee sometimes. But. Yeah. Uh, it's also important to really try to find the authentic places and go where the locals go. That's that to me is you're really traveling then. Yeah, and and um, you know <laughs> that little touch of home can often become like a reproduction of everything about home and why'd you leave? You know, there, there's there's these uh, aspects as well of, of globalization. But um, you have so many cool phrases in your book. It's really well well written in a way that you know, like needles that you remember and retain, but also that, that move. And I want to, I want to just compliment you on that. There's a couple that come to mind, like stop being busy. Like you could put the book down there and be like, okay, I got, I, I mean, I don't know if I got it, but I, I, I'm on my way. And, uh, or uh, escape more, spend less, you know, these little, uh, so it's a really, that it's a really, it's a short book, but it's, it's really, precise and moving in that way. So I want to, I want to thank you for, I know that takes a lot of work, you know, or a lot of life to, in order to have that into the book eventually, you know, it's reflecting all of your journeys over the years and reflection on that. No, thank you. And, and uh, I'm really big on <laughs> when I speak colloquially, I have a lot to say and a lot of words, <laughs> right? but when I try to get that down on paper, I, I, I hope, James, if you if you go through and, and uh, finish the rest of the book, no, I if finished, you see any I extra words, it. you did. Oh, you did. Uh, me, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me if there are any extra words in that book because I don't want them there because I am then wasting people's time. And if I can get little nuggets and little gems to stick in people's head, right. that's that's powerful. To me, that's good writing. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, I tried to, when you said, oh, it's a short book, I thought, God, I spent two years on that <laughs> book. How did it become short? <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that I, I kept it brief. Well, I meant short in the sense of you don't have to, it's not Tolstoy, right? It's not 700 pages, but, sure. but it's, it's long in impact, really. And, uh, and just so people know that, I, that I, I did read the book, but Matt's referring to this, a time where uh, I've, I've been, um, waiting for certain borders to open and my life to start again. And uh, I was so inspired by the first part of the book that I, was, I had to put it down and come back to it. But now that the, the announcement was made, I dove back in and, and, and read it all. Uh, I do want to ask you two quick questions about the book before we get an update on uh, under uh, 30 experiences now in this COVID landscape, hopefully post-COVID landscape. Uh, the first one is just about 
your experience, when you started this company about six, seven, six years ago, if I'm not mis doing my math right. So when I said, uh, so 2012, so going on eight years now, we're, you think, God, long, how quickly did they start it? And we <laughs> thought, I went in March of 2012 to Iceland, and I thought I could turn around, I called Jared, my business partner, that we could turn around a trip to Iceland in two and a half months. Wow. And we put it for sale and we ended up selling it and, and filling the group in two and a half months. Incredible. Flight prices went up on the people. We had no idea what we were doing. We don't plan anything. <laughs> it's not like 18 months out now. Uh, but yeah, it's so anyway, yeah, about eight years. Well, the, so the question I'm wondering is uh, about the, the scrolling aspect that you see now more than ever, or the capturing aspect that you see now more than ever. Uh, I, you know, we lived in a, in a tourist heavy place in New York and uh, down by Wall Street. And then when I go back and visit that place, I mean, you see, uh, I mean, we always saw, of course, uh, domestic and international tourists, but now sometimes you see them where they spend more time WhatsApping the photo they just took to their friend back in wherever they live rather than yeah. being there. So I'm wondering from your point of view, as you construct these experiences, is that something you've had to, when people who join these experiences, are they already on board and they're like, I'm done with this, this phone for a while. And I'm not saying you, you don't go online or, or contact people, but it's this dominance of wanting to kind of uh, capture and share right away. So I'm wondering if you've noticed that and how, do you kind of deal with that as an organization because you don't want it to take away from giving to each other or to themselves or to the place? I'm just curious. Yes. So we had one of our trip leaders put it really well. Uh, he wrote a blog post and he wrote something like, take the photo and then put that shit away. And that was <laughs> kind of what he would tell his groups. Yeah. And yeah. Look, guys, I'll bring you to the most beautiful places in, he ran trips in, in, uh, in Peru and Costa Rica and all these amazing, so like, especially Machu Picchu, it, you can't, it's impossible to take a bad picture unless it's completely fogged in. Right. And you just want to keep taking pictures because everything is so visually appealing. Right. But then what you do is you end up experiencing this. experiencing it through your phone right. and not actually through your own right. eyes. Right. And so we're just trying to make sure people know that. And um, luckily, a lot of the places that we go are off the beaten path. And mm -hmm. well, there used to never be 4G at Machu Picchu. Now there is, right? <laughs> um, so people don't have that immediate connectivity. A lot of times what we'll see is, oh, we got to the restaurant and then everybody's on their phone and we'll even say like, okay, yeah, like do your check-in with friends or family or, or whatever you need to do, right. um, but then let's be present. And some groups will even agree, okay, yeah, we'll put our phones away completely. Um, it's really nice when some people say, I don't, I don't wanna be on my phone because I'm gonna get the notifications from work and I'm right. away and I'm I'm gonna take pictures, but I'm gonna be in airplane mode the whole time. Nice. And when you have that type of leadership on a on a group from a member, um, that really goes a long way. So just being aware is half of the problem, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, so just trying to strike a balance. And I guess I'll also say, we we 
I've probably even said, used this made-up term, Instagrammable already on the, the <laughs> podcast, right? Or I refer to Iceland as being Instagram famous. And yeah. that can ruin places uh, yeah. as well. So um, lately, I've been a lot more reluctant to geotag places, mm. um, especially for people who, are, who have larger followings. I think it's important. And um, then just like... You know, sometimes keep some stuff for yourself. Mm. Uh, I think that's important. And um, then we try to get people off the beaten path where, all right, you took the photos. We know our guides know where the photo op spots are. And then let's go over here Somewhere and else. let's just yeah. hang out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell you, you should write down before we end uh, 4G at Machu Picchu is a great book title. That's that's a great book title. You could you know maybe a collection of sayings related to travel. You're so good at that. But 4G at Machu Picchu. That that sounds cool. But it's I mean it sounds horrible as if you're saying you know or I'm saying you don't want people to share. That's not it. But it's it's not so much the photos anymore. It's the the photo and then share and the photo and then share and being you know in WhatsApp conversations with your friend that that you're 10,000 kilometers away and so you're not even here with these other people and. You know, we talked about the importance of having discussions and connections with local communities. So that really connectivity is um, it's a really powerful influence now. And you see it even in places like New York, which are incredible uh, cities to visit. But when they're there, people are kind of they can't disengage. And, and I just thought I was curious about your perspective. So thanks for sharing no. that. Totally. And I'll, I'll, you know, you can get your phone stolen in a lot of places because of this. People, <laughs> Machu Picchu, I think, outlawed, outlawed selfie sticks because people are losing eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. falling off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, falling off a cliff. Like this kind of stuff happens. I'll give you one more example just because it's, it's just so interesting to observe people in these types of scenarios. So yeah. come, if you hike the Inca Trail four nights, three days, or four days, three nights, you come through the sun gate and then you descend wow. upon Machu Picchu uh, for sunrise as it opens up. Incredible. But so we're we're descending. I'm, I'm hiking with the group and we're descending down and we look like hell. You know, we've been <laughs> in the in the, the Andes for four days. Yeah. And coming up from Agus Calientes, the, the uh, town there where everybody spends the night before they come up to Machu Picchu in the bus, right? They didn't do the work. These ladies are dressed to the night because everyone everyone wants to look cute for right. the Machu Picchu yeah. picture. Right. So I'm it's with staged. this group. Yeah. Yeah, 70% and sweaty, no makeup, all of this. And, and our, Beautiful. our girls on our trip were so salty seeing the girls who didn't work right. at all to right. get to, to, they didn't earn their trip to Machu Picchu. You know, they came on the bus and they right. looked perfect. And here we are, you know, looking like hell. And, and they said, no, you know what? I'd way rather look look sweaty and disgusting like yeah, I've been yeah. in the Andes for four yeah. days than look yeah. perfect in front of my, yeah. you know, on my Instagram. So I just thought that was a, a funny little aside. That, that's a funny, yeah. But, and it's the experience. Yeah. I mean, we want you want to have the experience, not just capture the image and share it right away and walk away. Anyways, it's just an interesting, interesting, it's an interesting uh, aspect of travel nowadays. And then the last thing before we leave the book and just get an up, update on under 30 experiences in these uh, during these times. And um, you talked about this in your book, but I'm curious, 
you you talked about the I don't know the struggle you had about calling it millennial travel guidebook, and so I wonder if you want to talk about that. Like, what what were you thinking about doing? What was the struggle you had? What were you going for in naming it that, as opposed to some of the other connotations? Or I know you don't want to have it as just for a certain age group, but I just wanted to talk to have you. Uh, since we are talking to you, have you talk about that process and ultimately why you chose that, why it was right, what maybe that generation offers that you were trying to hook into for everybody? So I just thought it was sure to mind. No, that, that thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Um, so just like well, uh, we'll, we'll start here. Under30CEO.com, uh, which w- we ended up selling, and uh, that was that was by created by two guys drinking Miller Lights in Poughkeepsie, New York <laughs> at 22 years of age, right? I right. hope I haven't touched a Miller Light since then, but yeah. um, that's why that name came about, because we were like, well, 30, that's a long way away. You know, here <laughs> I am at 34, right. and almost aged out of the 21 to 35-year-old demographic that we bring on our trips. Right. Now, that demographic is a really nice demographic because people are young, they're active. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still in good, you know. They're still in good health. They can do these hikes, and and they want to connect. And there's a certain, you know, 21 to 35. You learn a lot, but you can still probably fairly, re- you know, you can relate to somebody. Most of our, you know, average age or median age is maybe 27, 28. They've got a little, little bit of money from working for some years. Um, but that's why we went after that kind of demographic honestly, just because it's a fun demographic. Now with the book, um, I realize that while I will be a millennial for the rest of my life, for better or worse, right? That uh, our company will not always serve millennials. So Mm. we're paying attention more to the uh, Gen Z people coming up and the TikTokers and, and all of this. So but what I wanted to do for this first release of the book is the business play was try, to try to own the words millennial and travel mm-hmm. um, and be on the top of all the search engines. So when someone types in millennials and travel or group travel millennials, that they would find us and or they would read the book or they would download the free chapter on how to find flights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how to find the best deals on flights and that was the real play. But I wanted to, James, I don't know if you identify with the term millennial, uh, but it also has a lot of baggage. And so, you know, you kind of roll your eyes about, oh, here are these are, are these entitled kids who have been given a trophy for everything. And, <laughs> but, you know, read a couple of the stories in the book of the mm-hmm. trouble I've gotten myself into. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no participation store and there's no participation trophy going through San Pedro Sula, Honduras on a, on a bus, you <laughs> right. know, going on right. that kind of trip. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, and not that's, that's not what we sell at under 30, but you can get way off the beaten path into, into some really interesting places and experiences in the world. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, millennial has a lot of baggage, but I think anybody, as you said, it's a life book and it's not right. You mentioned I had, just had a kid, we're not going to stop traveling. Yeah, we're pausing for a little bit. It's COVID. We're, we're, uh, but we're still going to live this yeah. lifestyle. And yeah. so anybody can benefit from it. Um, although, 
you know, the, the title is aimed at millennials. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been lucky because I've been involved in academic and education and academic life for 20 something years. So I've been insulated from a lot of the negativity around the term millennial, which was why I thought it was interesting that you uh, ran into this. But I think as a Gen Xer, the, the perspective you bring about, especially financial, but also the larger ones about um, living life in a different way that maybe hadn't occurred to Gen Xers, everything from the way you approach uh, renting versus owning and and um, you know, taking available, taking opportunity, making opportunities that are now available, making the most of them. It's an it's it's for any age. It's for any age, and it's a really powerful message. And that came out of your generation, that was maybe more connected and more open. So it's offering um, not only influence to the younger, but but people who are older who maybe hadn't thought like that before. And I thought you did that well in the book. And, uh, you know, we're running out of time here, but I did want to, if you wanted to give us an update, I saw on your, I think it was your Instagram that you are organizing an under 30 experience to a place that is very, very, very deeply connected to me. Goes back 30 years. And that is Joshua Tree, California. So uh, I lived uh, in the mountains above Joshua Tree. Uh, I taught out at the University of Redlands and worked there uh, for many years. It's an incredible part of the country. So can you give us an update on uh, the under 30 experiences that are going to be U.S. centric? I think you have the two coming out soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, James, as we're recording this, you probably know, well, you're lucky enough to be overseas at the moment, but... um, well, here I am, and we're not welcome very many places, but good for us uh, here in the States, we have an amazing backyard. I mean, we have a massive country with so much to see, and it's very underappreciated. Um, it's, you know, it, it had been very trendy to go and travel abroad, something that, in my opinion, traditionally Americans didn't really do all that much right. of, um, you know, it's, it was expensive to go to Europe, right? Yeah. It was ex- it's expensive. Yeah. Like people didn't just travel to Latin America unless you were really a, a true hardcore traveler, um, years ago, but now it's, it's opening up and, um, but going, you know, what's getting hot right now are, are RVs and road trips right. and seeing, taking advantage, getting some space for people, social distancing. And, um, so yeah, so this fall, uh, we are, we have handful of trips out right now that we were able to turn around pretty quickly. Uh, we started with some just four day trips, um, Portland, Maine to Acadia National Park. Wow. wow. Uh, Asheville to the Great Smoky Mountains. Yeah, things that people could still drive to. Um, but a couple nights of camping, one night in the city, uh, San Francisco to Yosemite. And so, yes, yeah, so we rolled those out. They, they sold out for this fall. Amazing. And then uh, we're going to, yeah, we're just about to launch as, as well. We have LA with a night camping at Joshua Tree and a night in Palm Springs. Wow. Uh, yeah, then we've got San Francisco to Tahoe for a little winter wonderland excursion. Mm-hmm. And then got one more. Um, oh, Las Vegas up to Zion and Bryce Canyon National wow. Parks. Wow. So just some underappreciated 
places, I think, that, um, yeah, we're, and, and we got more on the horizon for 2021, so we're trying our best uh, to be safe, yet get out there, and, you know, community is, is really what we focus on within our, our community of travelers, and people need that connection, so, yes. you know, of course, people are going to be wearing their masks and stuff like that. But these parks are, are at half capacity. A lot mm -hmm. of them as reservation only. The wildlife is out. Um, our, our guide out in Yosemite was saying she's never seen more bears in her <laughs> life because, you know, it's not overrun with people. So we're excited. I'm going to take a road trip this fall as well and hopefully spend a month touring around the States. So yeah, I've, it's, I've... Uh, it's a lifestyle. Well, uh, I... Uh... I love these videos they had. I don't know if there's common anymore, but they had videos of alligators wandering through the uh, strip malls of, I think it was Louisiana, and, you know, and deer, oh deer, deer hanging out in that because these parking lots are empty and they're walking through these open malls. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting, but uh, that's, it's really exciting to hear that because we are starving for contact and experience of things we can touch and experiences we can share. And, Part of the great thing I think about your venture is that it doesn't where we've been talking a lot about the personal and what effect it can have on a person and ultimately who they maybe come in contact with later. But it's doing these things and, you know, more, more than I do in a, in a group that you're leading of, of strangers. There's something very beautiful about sharing it in the moment, whether it's the, the hike to Machu Picchu or spending the night in Joshua together. You know, those conversations, even though we're lucky to be talking from thousands of kilometers away right now, but it's not the same as just sitting under the stars in Joshua Tree and talking about it with people who are you're becoming friends. It's it's great to hear that they're they're booked because it gives me it gives me hope, you know, that we'll 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 keep finding this connection even in this this post COVID difficulties. Absolutely, James. So off, uh, off camera, I think you said something like our time in New York, mm -hmm. it, while it was short, it was profound. Mm -hmm. And that's what we like to think about our trips. So hopefully people go and, you know, just that surge of inspiration for people then to go to where, go back home and hopefully be more sustainable, take better care of themselves, their environment and uh get outdoors more be more active mm -hmm. that's that's all we can hope hope for yeah well do me a favor and whoever's uh, leading the portland maine make sure they bring with them uh longfellow's famous poem up, uh, about the lighthouse the portland lighthouse it's uh it's incredible oh, okay yeah because you'll, you'll probably have to check it out yeah you'll probably see it and um is there anything else uh you want to update people on uh and including how to best follow or sign up for more information, or I don't know if you'd mentioned, I think you'd mentioned they're all sold out now, but how do they not get on? I mean, how do they get on uh, future trips? Anything else we need to just make people aware of besides the fact that your book comes out August 13th and we have the link below to the millennial uh, travel guidebook, but anything else you want to just update us on before you go that we missed? No, James, I mean, it's been a, a pleasure to catch up um, again. Yeah, people can check us out under 30experiences.com or under 30experiences on Instagram. But, uh, 
yeah, the book is it's pre-order for 99 cents right now um, nice. on Kindle. We're just trying to get as many people. I'm the only person crazy enough, I think, right now to be launching a book, <laughs> so, uh, launching a travel book. Right. So, yeah, it's, at least there's not going to be a lot of competition. So we're just trying to get it in as many hands as many people. And, um, hey, if they like it, they'll spread the word. They'll write re good reviews. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, so they can they can get it for 99 cents, millennialtravelguidebook.com, or they can just download a free chapter on how to find the best flights. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's it. We'd love to uh, have anybody who wants to reach out personally. Yeah, they mm -hmm. can uh, maybe send me a message on Instagram, mattwilsontv, and that's it. Just grateful to, to catch up with you, James, and yeah. um, so happy you, you enjoyed the book. That really means a lot. Yeah, I, I really did, and it's really worth it, in, and it's very timely. I know you, you joked about you know, maybe not the best time to start a travel book, but it's more than that, and it's exactly the stories we need to remind ourselves now because these days will pass, and we can't. I mean, as you said, uh, I think toward the end of the book, uh, the most important lesson you learned, you know, don't give up, and you know, we can't give in. So now more than ever, I think it's time to, to read books like this because these times will come and, and we, need, we need to seek these experiences. And before I go, I just wanted to ask you someday, I hope you will write a sequel and I think you should call it a family's, what, what did I have written down? A family's guidebook to travel or a family's travel guidebook because now you have this beautiful new daughter and I think that's needed. You know, because sometimes people think you leave that behind in your wild younger days, right? But I, I think it's needed, for especially for younger families uh, with younger children. I want to prove them wrong. Yes, exactly. For, and, 4G at Machu Picchu, that's all you need, James. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a, probably another book. That's your memoir, maybe. <laughs> but, but I would love to see you do a, a family's travel guidebook. That would be cool. So uh, thank you so much for spending some time. Um, uh, stay safe and uh, say hello to your, your beautiful daughter and to your wife. And I hope you enjoy Austin and that things, uh, you know, return to some normalcy rather quickly in this post-COVID world. But I really personally appreciate the time. I followed your story, um, obviously, through connections over the years. And it's just great to have this time to talk to you uh, at this point where you're releasing this book, which is so much of your story over all these years. And it's a great offering for people. So thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me today. Thank you, James. My pleasure. Okay. If you're new to the channel, again, please subscribe. And we have links below to, to Matt's book, The Millennial Travel Guidebook. And uh, we will also uh, link to his website below. Podcast listeners, did you enjoy that episode? If so, I'd be so appreciative if you could help out the team here by, uh, of course, going out and checking out the Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, and Make Travel Priority in Your Life. You can find that at millennialtravelguidebook.com, uh, as well as the new podcast, the Millennial Travel Podcast, where I'm going to be coming out with exclusive content that will not be heard on the Live Different podcast. So you can find that wherever podcasts are uh, listened to, are hosted, uh, Spotify, Apple, um, all those great places. So if you could please subscribe uh, and rate, that would help this new podcast get off the ground. Um, 
that is, uh, yeah, that is one of the best things that you can absolutely do to support the show and uh, help us make more good content. Because without you guys, without new listener base, uh, there would be no podcast. So it would just be speaking into a lonely microphone and we don't want that. So you can check out the Millennial Travel Podcast and you can follow us on at Millennial Travel Podcast on Instagram, interact with us, and uh, you'll never miss a update on a new show and all that good content to get you out there and just enjoying life more. It's going to be a long, cold winter unless we have a plan to go out and uh, make our lives a little bit more adventurous if we are still semi quarantined uh, through the remainder of the fall and winter. So we're hoping for uh, the very best, but we are making plans on, uh, yeah, how we survive in difficult times. So with that, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.